As you know, the 2020 election is right around the corner. And this election in America may turn out to be the most consequential of our time. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, put down the hamburger and vote. It makes a difference in America. I know because Hillary told me. <laughs> if you're looking for a strategy on how and where to vote, check out democracy.org. Uh, it will tell you when and where to vote in your state and how to register. Or turn your Victrola to headcount.org and help register your fellow Amer- I don't have a bias. Uh, Mike, you talk. Whatever you do, make sure you have a plan. Go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Get out there and vote. Your vote's bigger in Texas. Hillary and I say vote. 99% of you should be voting. Otherwise, the 1% will eat your cat. Kofefe. Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of With your host, Keith Marnie. Mike and Deglio. Yeah. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. You see how enthusiastic we are, but 30 seconds ago we weren't. Final pod from Astoria, Queens. For me. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast that talks all about ourselves and occasionally David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we'll be talking about season five, episode five, We Hold These Truths. This is the Out of Practice Podcast, episode number 89, and you are leaving Astoria this week. I am. I, I, I go back and forth. I'm feeling great about it. I'm feeling shitty about it because it's, it's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Then a motorcycle goes by, and I'm like, great, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm feeling stressed because we're packing, and it's crappy. Then the Wi-Fi goes out this morning, and I'm pulling up wires, and the wall's crumbling, and I'm like, you know what? Pack her up, <laughs> round it up, load her on the wagon, and let's bounce. I, I had we had such a fun thing last night where uh, you, me, and CEO Jen were sending because you guys are discovering all sorts of fun stuff as you're packing all your stuff, mm-hmm. and 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 Jillian and I we just live here, uh, sending pictures back and forth of horrible crumbling things within our shitty apartments. Yeah, and it, I I said it it feels like that scene from Jaws uh, where all they're all like comparing their scars like, oh, a shark got me here. And it was a, this was a harpoon right through me. And it was like, oh, this is the asbestos crumbing out of my wall. This is like the pipe that's leaking for 17 years. Uh, it was it was good fun. I think we're both uh, ready 
to mm-hmm. move into something nicer. Although I will, I will admit, I also feel very wistful about about leaving Astoria. Yeah, I, I, I think our therapists would agree that it has a lot more to do than just moving. Uh, it's just a, a confluence of things. Plus, I turned forty in like a few months, so like I'm, I'm going through that now. Ah, and yes. yeah, and you know, usually I like to just like go buy stuff that makes me feel better. But uh, right. You know, even not buying a house, I'm finding that just moving in general, all of my money has gone away. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The amount so, of money that just poof gets deleted. So this uh, morning, in moving at all, but my God. when my Wi-Fi router, which granted, I've had this Wi-Fi router since me and Jen got married, so oh, a long time. That's an old router. Uh, yeah, it crapped the bed, and it's just I'm like, I don't really want to go to Best Buy and buy buy a new router right now. Because I'd move in like less than a week. So I'm just going to have to be, I'm hardwired, but then all the, uh, it's just a, it's a whole thing. But I'll say that, so they're selling our building and the landlord asked if he could come by and show some prospective buyers our apartment. And we were like, you know what? Sure. Let's, why? I'm not going to be obstinate. So we fixed up real nicey, nice and and vacuumed and stuff. And we were sitting like, man, this place is beautiful. And we really clean up. It's beautiful. <laughs> but then last night we're packing and like, you know, we Keith just said, we're exchanging pictures. The wall is crumbling. There are like spider and insect abodes everywhere in the ceilings. It's nasty. So, uh, yeah, upwards and onwards. And and they just shut down Broadway through. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a piece of our wall. Yeah. <laughs> There's a piece of our floor that is rotted through and I can actually peer into the basement. This is this is outside the window. Like if you like right here that I'm touching with my hand is this the, the outside and the inside have a very uh, tenuous barrier at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's, it's it is miraculous that insects and mice can find their way into your apartment. I don't understand how it's happening. I, it's 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 crazy. It's it's like a miracle, but it's mice. Yeah, it it's is like a fly landing on your head and staying there for hmm. minutes. <laughs> As if the metaphor weren't on the nose enough. Like he, he's got pink eye and a fly on him. That so we're I, I weeks think, ahead like, now. But even that's today, true. yeah. Even today, even by the time you're seeing this, the president mm-hmm. probably still has COVID nineteen. And as of today, which is the tenth of October, you'll be seeing this mm-hmm. in two weeks. So it's we're delayed now or ahead. Well, we're but, in the future. What's it like, guys? In the future, what happened? Yeah, like he's holding a rally on the balcony today, like Avita. What's that going to be like? Tell us. Uh, anywho, we I guess we oh. should jump in and do this podcast. So if if we're a little more frenzied than usual, that's why I, I, I'm basically hamster wheeling in through my internet. God knows if it's work. I hope it's working. I did seriously. Yeah. Well, and you and you guys are actually. I'm on call to be the heavy in case anything goes wrong mm-hmm. at your house. So come Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That will be uh, that will be very exciting, and if- it's very early in the morning. And so, to because you're a friend of mine, Keith, I have a second heavy that lives in the building, who's actually a first heavy. You're only going to get called in if necessary. Okay, good, good. He's the morning heavy. I'm like, I'm not really a heavy till like eleven. Yeah, and then I, I did can say, throw if you want to swing by though, because I did, I did tell CEO Jen, I was like, let's be honest, you guys are better friends than Keith and I are. So. <laughs> That's probably true. Sometimes I just drop off the thread and you guys keep going. <laughs> That's true. I, I definitely text Jen more than I do you. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm not very entertaining via text, so. 
All right. Well, you know who is entertaining? It's our fine listeners who send us... Well, we heard from our good friend and founding sponsor, Jennifer Masanova, who I, because I don't remember what happens on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty remarkable that I genuinely don't remember what we say and what we talk about. And I don't go back and listen to it. So I literally, I could be saying something now. I will not remember tomorrow. I don't find that uh, remarkable so- at all. <laughs> Seems absolutely par for the course. It's possible that we just never say anything remarkable. Also that's true. Or memorable. That's really the issue. Anyway, so I you'll have to remind me what prompted this comment, but Jennifer writes about highway hypnosis. Uh, it and was my... It was Remember, I was driving in my car right. from my girlfriend's house and I ripped the rear right, mirror the off mystery. and threw it in the back seat. I found that so interesting, and yet I don't, rem- I didn't remember that it happened. It's so interesting, but at least Jennifer not only is commenting on it, but has a potential solve. Here it is. She says, "Highway hypnosis, it's a thing. It's kind of in the DSM five under DID, uh, dissociative identity disorder, because <laughs> I am ridiculously familiar with the DSM five. Uh, so clo- didn't have to look it up. I just knew it." Uh, So close enough. This has happened to me. I'm driving in the car, usually on a route I've taken many times, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm here already? Not anymore, of course, because I'm engrossed in the Out of Practice podcast. Anyway, it's a state where you go just through the motions. It's worse if you're sleepy, apparently. I cannot account for the rearview mirror. Uh, Maybe someone had their high beams on and you were annoyed, and that was your way to solve it in your fugue state. I suppose your mind's desire to avoid an earful from your pop overrode your need for sleep. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, is it possible that Mike just has uh, dissociative identity disorder, i.e. multiple personalities? Well, I will say this. Uh, Many, many, many times I recall, especially on long drives, because I'm one of those people that loathes traffic so much that Mm -hmm. I will leave at 1 a.m. just to not have to drive during traffic. Sure. So it's often that I I am in that state where like, I'm like, oh my God, 30 minutes went by and I barely remember, you know, driving. But never before, this is the one and only time in my life, it happened, an entire 35 minute drive happened with, I don't remember even starting the car or getting out of the car. That's a little spooky. Like I can definitely... You know, driveway or highway hypnosis, I can definitely remember driving back and forth from school or from work or whatever and be like, wow, I don't remember, you know, but you like I'm aware that I got into the car and I'm aware that mm-hmm. I traveled. Yours is a very interesting. Uh, st- Especially still. since no one can remember, no one can recall me leaving her house because everyone was asleep and no one, right? no conversations I had with my family remembered me coming in. It all happened. I, I wish it were today. Because we could probably track the the turnpike, like, you know, you get clocked in and out. The cams, oh, yeah, or your phone pinging off stuff. Yeah, I'll never forget, too, because I had to then super glue my rear mirror back onto the windshield. Which, Amazing. Yeah, anywho. Yeah. Definitely not up to code. Uh, well, it's funny, you talk about leaving at one o'clock in the morning to avoid traffic. Uh, my first... Uh, move to the city, which we're going to get to, actually, 
on this podcast, this is going to go long enough that I will move to the city in this. But as a as a quick little preview, when we moved on moving day, we rented a truck and we I moved my stuff down from Vermont and I met my roommate, Jen, who was uh, in Albany in that area and we got a moving truck and took it down. We were so afraid to drive the moving truck in New York City streets <laughs> that we drove through the night. We we drove down at, I think, two o'clock in the morning. And our plan was we're just going to drive at two o'clock in the morning, then park on the street and then make a deal with the super. He's going to let us in at 6 a.m. So we're like, we're so afraid to drive you know, across the bridge and that sort of stuff that we're going to sleep in our moving van for four hours so as not to have to be stuck in traffic, which seems a little silly now, but I that was certainly the uh, the thought then, so. Well, it's silly, but I'll t- I think I've actually told this story on the podcast because it happened during the pod, but I'll, I'll reiterate. Since you don't remember what happened last week. <laughs> I do not. The worst of all was, I'll never forget, I was I had a rehearsal for a gig I was playing guitar in this uh, cabaret and I had a rehearsal on the West side, which from door to door from here is from Astoria is probably 30 minutes maximum. It was a Sunday. Drive. So I drive. Yeah. It was yeah. a Sunday and I was like, uh, you know, that's a pretty, so max 45 minutes. It's a weekend. And <laughs> I was a little ambitious, but yeah. Yeah. But I gave myself an hour like you would. Yeah, that's to drive and find parking. Long story short, it was like a Puerto Rican Day parade or one of those parades where they shut uh, everything down, and then you couldn't even like it. It took me three hours. Missed the rehearsal, but at that point, I had to drive around and just try to find parking for the gig, which was that night. So three hours door to park. Well, I if we ever release our other podcast, we've talked about for years and have started but never finished. Uh, I have the most amazing story that's not my own story about being stuck on the GW bridge. So look forward to that, kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So many podcasts. So much time. Aren't real. <laughs> so little effort. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, here is where we would normally be welcoming you. Is that it? You. Is that it? That's it. Okay. That's Thanks, Jennifer. Week. Thank you. Fugue State is my is the name of my fucking autobiography. Yeah, truly. Uh, anyway, so this is where we would be welcoming you into the jury. And how do you join the jury? Well, you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know. And we would be so happy uh, for you to do that because that is really how we get more listeners. So if you want to have more friends here listening... Leave us a rating and review, and we will read it here and welcome you to the jury, no matter how many stars you give us. You can give us one star and say we're garbage. We will read it, and we will welcome you onto the jury because we are in. We are happy to welcome all yeah, Don't make me ask viewpoints. my sister again. I, I mean, it's just not something mm. I won't have to do. No. And uh, just, I am bragging with my awesome Captain Picard mug that my wife got me. All right. That means it's time to talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the Oh, no, it's not. The greatest hits. You confused me. I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) I I, was in a fugue state. I hit the wrong bumper. Did we decide we were jumping? What has happened? No, I just, I forgot, you know, 
we're only in episode 89. I'm just trying to figure out what we do here. Uh, no. In fact, we are going to, we're still going to hop back in the time machine, though. Okay. We're going to hop back in the time machine to November 5th, the year 2000. And that's going to bring up everyone's eternal question. What was happening? I did it. I got it right this time. Nice. And boy, this is a fun one. So we are actually going to combine our This Days in the Basement with our favorite new segment because it all comes together. It all coalesces and congeals into one singular story that we're going to tell all at once. And that is, of course, this was right before, two days before the 2000 presidential election. So would you like to start the segment? The segment we, call we like this, to call. Back in time. True crime. Stolen election edition. Na, 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 na. Mike and Deglio comes back from some sort of crazy first love date with his girlfriend at the time. Also, voting in his first presidential election. Proudly, in a effort to show his support not only for democracy, but also for our planet, he votes for Al Gore, champion of democratic ideals and, uh, what, what shall we say, love for the planet and action on climate change. Mike casts his vote believing that it matters, that his one vote, his one voice can change the country. Him and his girlfriend, Canoodle, watching the returns. The returns are coming in. ABC News calls it for gore. CBS News calls it for gore. CNN calls it for gore. Gore is the president. We got another four years of a Democratic president. So pumped. We're going to save the world, save the country, save the climate. We go to bed and wake up and... <gasps> what is... What has happened? It's no longer gore. It's too close to call. Days pass. They can't make a decision. They have to go all the way to Congress, to the courts, and it is handed to Bush. And Mike learns the life lesson that day. Nothing matters. Wow, okay. <laughs> now it is time to turn the tables. It's my turn. Get your guitar. CEO Jen is bringing snacks. <laughs> We've only been going for 10 minutes. I need a snack. Okay. Well, very similarly, I was watching the returns at the Eastman dorms in my apartment set up with my college girlfriend. This was also my first presidential election that I voted in. It was not the first election. I voted in the midterms in 98 because I was old enough. But I had sent in my ballot voting for Al Gore, the lockbox champion, the boring guy who was going to be good for the country. 
but he did not have a correct strategy. And we watched as the Florida, like you said, got called for gore, then it got taken back, and then hanging chads, and uh, what was her name? The uh, that uh, the attorney general in Florida, forget what it was. She was a monster. And the Supreme Court, <laughs> not relevant anymore, stole the election. They stopped the recount, and Gore ended up losing by a couple hundred votes, and we were all very sad, but we didn't know this back on 11, back on election day, because it took months into December, and we were all sad. Wow. Okay. That that was the thing that we did. You know, when we talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> and and talk about it is pretty loose. Yeah, I was on the toilet and I sent you a text. <laughs> <laughs> Where all of our best meetings happen. Which really, it, it like it sounded like an idea, but it was more like, how can we just like quickly roll through the pod so that I can pack the rest of my stuff? Right. But instead, we took much, much longer. Yeah. And like, we didn't even like decide on a key, and so I realized I didn't really have a chord progression ready to go, and so we really just <laughs> look. I didn't have a I didn't have a key or a chord progression. Yeah, but you're made, was, most of it was in C minor. I uh, see. That could have that would have been helpful. Hold on, look, <laughs> but I had a remedy. I didn't want to make it easy because you know I I didn't want our uh, podcast to seem over rehearsed. There you go. It's a very good C minor. Does it look like I'm humping my guitar now? This is like, I, you know, like oh, really 100%. good people always like give the vibrato. It now just looks like I'm humping it. Yeah, it, it absolutely 100% <laughs> does. Well, before Mike gets to completion, <laughs> we need to complete this segment and move on to... It's time for the Out of Practice uh, Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines oh, that made me from laugh. Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Before Mike, comp- <laughs> Before oh. Mike finishes and has to refinish that guitar, <laughs> let us talk about what's going on in the world. Don't worry. The number one song continued to be. Come on over, come on over, come on over baby. Come Christina on over, Aguilera in her last week of domination. In its first week of domination, of course, was Charlie's Angels, which took in $40 million. The cover of the Burlington Free Press. <laughs> I didn't look up because it's the same thing I, <laughs> I had last week. Well, I'm assuming something was going on in Vermont. It was probably politics. And a more professional podcaster would have looked it up. But I guess I didn't. That's just what happens. All right. Thank you very much, fake Christina. That means it's time for everybody's favorite segment. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Sports. The New York football giants efficiently dispatched the lowly Cleveland Browns 24-3 in Cleveland. Kerry Collins threw two touchdowns to Amani Toomer and another to Ike Hilliard, while Doug Peterson could only muster 176 yards and a pick for Cleveland. The Philadelphia Football Eagles rebounded from their embarrassing loss to the Giants with a 16-3 overtime victory over the Cowboys. 
I think Orbit, it's worth noting knows. in the continuing yeah. saga of Tom Brady and us. I, mm-hmm. I, Tom has been shatting the bed, and so I didn't start him last week when I was playing Keith Barney. And guess what he did? Mm-hmm. He set a career fantasy high by putting up 50 plus points, and I didn't get any of them. Well, the good news is I was so terrible, it didn't matter. <laughs> no, 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 I still won. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, it turns out, is, is pretty good. It's also good. Yeah, I mean, if this were like five years ago, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady as your quarterbacks would be amazing. Interestingly, though, last night, uh, two nights ago, Tom Brady again lost to now Bears quarterback Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Super Bowl hero. Yeah. Although he was pretty bad. They still won. (laughs) Scratched a little pit of what? Uh, I don't I don't know. Have you ever started a sentence and midway through realized that you didn't even know what you were talking about? Because that happens to me often. Uh, I believe me doing that has been thoroughly documented over, I don't know, nine days of continuous recordings on this podcast. Fugue State. Fugue State. Fugue Let's State. move on. Let's just get to the, let's put, play that network thing. Oh, no, I don't know. No. What Can will the weather be in Pennsylvania? Weather? Cause we all need to know. Was it hot or did it snow? It didn't snow, I'm sure. Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. Don't shake that guitar again. There was a time when I, I put some effort into something. You sure did. And I can't wait to watch what you've put together this week. Let's roll it. There's nothing. Let's move. Uh, <laughs> Let's move I just wanted to have you sit he, in your shame and think no, about what you I, did. No, I want to. I want to make it clear. I did, I rec- actually it was an excellent segment. I, there was FX. There were screen screens. Uh-huh. I had extras uh-huh. come in, but mm, uh, mm. but I I packed it. Celebrity I cameo. I packed it oh, up. Packed it. Yeah. You packed it. It's yeah. It's too bad. Yeah. So many boxes. <sighs> All right. It's a little time. Fine. 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 I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. I hurt my neck every time I do that. Oh and I oh keep trying I just, to remember not to do it. But I do it. Do not headbang nearing 40. All I right, went to a Rage episode. Against the Machine concert once and hurt myself. But when I was 16 years old, 17 years old, I went to an Everclear concert. Have I told this story to you? The one and only time I I went uh, crowd surfing. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm at an Everclear concert. You remember them? Uh, Vaguely. I am still living with your. Oh, here we go. We're going to get a concert. Just wipe down the guitar before you play it. (laughs) I am still living with your ghost Lonely and dreaming of the West Coast I don't want to be your uh, downtime I don't want to be your stupid Jeep With a big black boots and an old suitcase Do believe I found myself a new 
Oh yeah, delay on Zoom. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I play. <laughs> that was gonna be. I can't wait. That to was gonna see be how bad. that sounds. Um, oh, I've never heard that song before. Oh well. Anyway, uh, flash for. Uh, for I'll tell this part of the story. So we were really into this band Everclear. They were called in the '90s, of course. And yeah. we go to the electric factory in, in Philadelphia. My parents let us go. We drive into Philly from the suburbs. We're watching this concert. We're rocking. We're rolling. We're not drinking because we were uh, actually pretty responsible kids. And that changed. Everybody's like, uh, you know, crowd surfing, and that's all happening. And they're coming over to me, and they're trying to lift me. And I was like, Nah, it's all right. Even then, I had an old man's <laughs> instinct of like, Nah, it feels unsafe. It feels yeah, yeah, I'm all right. This isn't for me. But my friends are cajoling me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, let's go. And as I'm being lifted, Keith, in as I'm being lifted, I recognize that there's a big hole in this mass of people. And I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty certain that I'm going to go into this hole. Well, damned if they don't launch me into the air, and I go directly... <laughs> into the hole and smash my shoulder. So for the rest of the concert, I'm in agonizing pain because <laughs> I had broken my collarbone before. Oh I, no. It, it was, luckily it wasn't broken, but anyway, I had to drive oh, okay. home. I was in pain the whole time, embarrassed to hell because I was like, yeah, and they just threw me into a hole. Years later, in fact, this is but maybe three years ago, we hear that Everclear is playing a concert at Lily Langtree's, which was where we had our senior prom, and they have now turned it into a like a shitty casino. And we're like, damn right, let's go. Tickets are like $8. We roll to this right. concert. I grab one beer. I don't even drink beer, but you know, like it's like a high school thing. So we go. The band is, it's no longer the band. It's just the lead singer of the band with like some new band he put together. Keith, right. you ready for it? Writing. They only knew three songs. The concert was over before I finished my beer. No. And they were like, oh, he's like, oh, we, they're like, we don't know any of the other songs. They didn't know the songs. Wait, so, so he just like brought in like a, like local guys to back him up? They weren't local. They were like, these guys were great. They Because the first three tunes they did, they were ripping it up. But they didn't I mean, like, like plan ahead. Like, hey, we're going to do a concert. How many songs I just do you know? don't know that they expected maybe anybody to show up or I don't know. It was bizarre. And we were that like, we thought crazy. it was a joke. So we kept, we waited around when they left the stage and they, they just didn't come back. The lights went on. It was great. And I was like, well, for seven bucks. I mean, look, I am not a music doctor, but what you just played there. I was able to figure out from it, the that first was a G chord. <laughs> that, oh, that's a G chord. Oh, I figured that out. Yeah, I bet I know where that's going to go. Maybe a yeah. C and then a D. And then I think yeah. we're pretty much done for the song. Yeah. And We've I done don't, this. Yeah, well, it's the like, 90s. I, so they only wrote one song in the 90s. I was able to figure it out. I'm sure these guys could pr probably have done it as well. All right. Yeah, well, anyway. What are we doing? Wow. What, what's happening? Yeah, we're talking about the, I, I believe the we're in the talking about the damn episode part. Oh, wait, that before we just you talk on. about the episode. <laughs> You see, I thought we were going to rush through it, but now I have a lot to say, apparently. Last night, David e., our boy David E. Kelly got a shout-out. Really? In? Yeah. Well, so uh, Colbert had on the uh, portion of the cast of The West Wing. Oh, Because yes. on October 19th, they are airing a special episode of The uh, West Wing where they actually filmed one of my favorite eps from season four, uh, about voting and democracy, they filmed it as a stage right. play. Right. Um, and since, uh, uh, what's his name? 
Leo is no longer with us. You know who plays Leo? Is Sterling K. Brown. Yes. Anyway, so Sorkin is talking about how, uh, he, what, what his his idea for the West Wing was, how he wanted, there was nothing on TV showing people working at the top levels of government who actually had any competence, right? Like on right. TV, doctors are always very competent. Police people are always very competent. And he's like, even lawyers in the, David, you know, David E. Kelly always wrote them with such dignity and competence and and intellect. I wanted to do the same for the West Wing. And then I started thinking about dignity uh, competence and intellect when it comes to the practice, and those don't always fit. Look, he, look, he clearly didn't see all the episodes, but there are definitely episodes which demonstrate that. There mm-hmm. are other episodes as well. Cut to Richard Bay fake cutting a steak, like three <laughs> inches above the steak. I love how, like, of all the things that they've done wrong, including murder. You're like, that's what I really care about. That's what I'm I just think about. it was a bad, sh- it was a miss on all levels. It, the fact that none of the other actors, which you're not supposed to give notes, but I would have been like, why are you, maybe, you know what? They might've been like, we only have one steak. So we get, we don't get to, you can't cut that steak. Yeah, but that's on the Nobody director. cut it in the edit. Nobody cut the it in the- The I mean, director didn't tell him that it was in frame. That's the issue. Like that. Like whoever is setting up the shot needs to tell the actor your hands are in frame. They're not. They in didn't frame. have. They didn't have any other. They didn't have any other setups that they could have cut to. No, they had n- no other angles. No. The editor missed that too. Well, or the editor. They, if you didn't That's have it, coverage, I'm a, I you didn't have the coverage. Pod. This is it. That's it. I'm out of here. Oh my god. All right. Let's I'm talk about the episode. I'm playing it again. My life has value. Okay. Come on. All right, we are going to talk about, uh, like I said before, Season 5, Episode 5, We Hold These Truths. This was written by series creator David E. Kelly, of course, and another first-time writer. There's clearly a lot of turnover in the writer's room for Season 5. New writer Jonathan Shapiro. This is his first The Practice episode. Like I said, he also wrote on The Blacklist, Mr. Mercedes, Justice, of course, Boston Legal later, and he created the Paul Reiser Show and Goliath. So he is now a show runner, and it was directed by Dwayne Clark, who last wrote on Germ Warfare just two episodes ago, which leaves us with one important thing to do. Is Goliath David E. Kelly? What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Mm, mm, good question. Uh, let me, real quick, uh, I covered it up there. Interestingly, I covered up that little, uh, your Easter egg. Ah, I, the I, I secret back egg. real quick. Yeah, yeah, see, I can't tell. It looks sort of like a like a golden bracelet, like mm-hmm. that Thanos would wear in, in the Avengers. Somewhere out in the world, a couple of our fans are screaming into the sky. Uh, it also, to me, what it looks like is like the thing. I that, hear you, Phoenix. The thing that uh, am I supposed to know? That? Should I know that right off the bat? Well, some people would, and some people would not. The cool, cool people. Would know like exactly shell game. what that is. Well, the hold these truths, I think, is definitely uh, is definitely something a First Amendment right. I know that Bobby clearly is going to have to retry the case of 
the lying brother case. Uh huh. Uh, I also look to me. It looks like uh, I've never, you know, if we ever did that on the podcast. My dad used to take us to the circus all the time. It looks like the golden uh, center thing that the the ringmaster stands on. So I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. but it also to me looks like a one true singular sensation hat you would wear during a chorus <laughs> line. And since they just shut down Broadway, I'm gonna go that direction. I'm gonna say that there's a production of uh, there's an actor. There's a performer who is uh, being discriminated against due to his sexuality. And what if Jimmy is auditioning for the chorus line, for a chorus line uh, in this show? Uh, and Jimmy has to defend our gay character because Jimmy has now become the gay rights activist of the firm. <clears throat> yes. I okay. Heard, I think I heard my back break itself in that one move. <laughs> <laughs> We're too old even to pretend to dance. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's a very interesting prediction now. Well, okay. I mean, is it? Or do you just need another excuse to say that's interesting? Because you have to meet your quota for the episode. It's- <laughs> Oh, man, if I got a quarter for every time I said that's interesting, I can afford my house. Yeah, well, good luck. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. It is time for you to switch over to your favorite podcasting device of choice and listen to us listen to this show. We'll see you back on YouTube shortly. Hey, guys, it's Keith. Guess what? Mike doesn't know we're talking right now. I'm going to slip this into the episode, hopefully after he stops editing it. So, if you remember, a couple of months ago, Mike went crazy for my 40th birthday. And guess what? In a couple of weeks, it's going to be Mike's 40th birthday. So, I've set up a secret account to send him happy birthday messages. You can email me or send a voice message or whatever. You can send it to happy 40 Mike at gmail.com. That's happy four zero Mike at gmail.com. Let's send him into his forties in style. Bye. Season five. Episode five. We hold these truths. It starts today. It's a simple trial. One prosecution witness. Colin you can't Taylor's back. The case and expect an Actually, case. I can, Eugene. Perks of the robe. Speaking of meeting quotas. Just like the two before that. And I have an obligation to make sure he gets a fair trial of adequate representation. How about giving me time to fully prepare? Well, I'm not that concerned. I mean. Holland Taylor! That is a shiny gold silk shirt. That matches the drapes. It it looks like it's the classiest shirt. It's silk. It's gold. It's elegant. You may not know this, but I'm trying. See, I'm trying to give him a little gravel to like uh-huh. you know to equal his his current state. You might not know this, but Holland Taylor's a senior. Even though she looks so young, you might not know she's a senior. <laughs> Did you catch that? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, not at all. Oh, did you see Trump released a statement directly to the seniors? No. He he's standing Jesus in the White House Christ. lawn and he's ta- speaking. To, he's like, my favorite group of people is the seniors. You might not know this, 
I'm a senior, but we don't, maybe we don't want to put that in and tell anybody that. But I'm like, yo, we all know that you're a senior, buddy. Oh. Now, if you don't know what this is, I want everybody to go ahead on YouTube and mm-hmm. Google vocal fry and, uh, and, and peer at the damage I've just done to myself. <laughs> Frank, every time I do Trump, world class do a little damage. Well, I'm Not glad as much you damage is dropped as. Oh, oh like- it's aired twice now as of this episode, so I think it's fair to. Uh, now, to those of you who listened to, uh, who heard our PSA before the pod uh, ran, even though if you're watching on YouTube, you probably don't hear that, but <clears throat> we've done a political PSA for voting. We have. And we tried to combine three different vote. Uh, sites uh, into one PSA and in doing so it's not lost on us that it's completely incomprehensible <laughs> the calls to actions make no sense but I just get such a giggle out of Keith's uh, presidential impressions if you are watching on YouTube so you skip the beginning of the pod go back and listen to the PSA just uh, because Keith does some great work on it oh my god incomprehensible but you know yeah and in no way shape or form but I imagine everyone listening to our pod is probably going to vote anyway Yes. A wound. If it's too open, you get an infection. Now, he is stalling by firing one attorney after another. I am not going to let him get away with it anymore. Why me? Because you're as good as it gets when it comes to criminal law. And I don't want to give this bastard a shot of appeal on inadequacy of counsel. So you will do it. Helen Gamble will be the DA. Of course, Helen Gamble. How jolly she can be. See you in there. It should be noted. Thank Go goodness. meet your lovely wife murdering that client. Eugene gets his own case finally. Yes. Of course, uh, so, the judge just called him a wife murdering client. I feel like there might be just a touch of bias in there. Well, it's Helen. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's Kittleson. We're Kittleson. lucky she's, she's got clothes on. <laughs> but I'm excited, though. I mean, it's always, it's always fun when you throw Eugene the impossible case and see what happens. You know, this is the beginning of season five, and she has more lines in this episode than she did in one of the penultimate episodes of season four. And and actually some, like, human characteristics that make her identifiable, not just generic judge. And a hell of a bob. Every, the season five is the, is, the, is the season of bobs. I love a bob. I hate to say it, I'm just, I'm really susceptible to a good bob. I didn't do it. Cop just wanted to get his picture in the paper and credit for a big collar. I wasn't even there that night. You lived there. But I wasn't there that night. This guy looks familiar. Look, did her and I have a fight? Yeah. New client! You know what it is. I can't answer. I, I, can't I hear you. I, I can hear the wheels turning and getting nervous about that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, what? I'm going to go ahead and uh, assert my Fifth Amendment right to you wanna, reserve my comment. You, you ever heard somebody begin a sentence and know exactly where he was going, but <laughs> bail? Fugue state. The Mike and Declan eject, story. eject. <laughs> this new client is. Don't get me giddy, buddy. Don't get me giddy. I'm so, but I'm I'm so proud of I'm so proud of you for bailing on what you were going to say. I'm 40 I years really old, am. and 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 a little bit of uh, of prudence has only recently entered my psyche. 
<laughs> anyway, this actor is Dominic Luray from the Training Day TV show, 24, This Is Us, Madlock, and Jake and the Fat Man. Huh. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Matlock. Have I mentioned that? Have you really? We'll talk about it when I get settled. We'll do a, a more TV because I've been watching a lot of stuff. But I've recently uh, started at nighttime when I'm falling asleep watching Pluto TV. It's a streaming service, like a free streaming service. Yeah. And they just basically are plucking bizarre, exp- uh, random old shit and playing it. A lot I of quantum stuff lead. that was practically free licensing wise. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, there's been a lot of Matlock, and I kind of introduced Jen. She had not ever really uh, experienced the beauty that is Matlock, Matlock and Columbo. And I was like, these are, right. you know, these are staples. So we've been watching a lot of that. I'm a little offended you're not watching Murder, She Wrote, because I, you know, as the guy who wrote the Murder, She Wrote parody. I watch a lot of Murder, She Wrote also. You Angela Lansbury. I, 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 the guest stars on those shows are choice. Oh, my God, yeah. Beautiful. Look, I've gotten a cease and desist from Angela Lansbury. Thank you very much. You better start watching that. Well, come, yo, come March, April, or May of 2022. We'll be back in the saddle. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Did I shoot her? No. They got one lousy witness, man. Eyewitness evidence is easy to shake, Mr. Young. It was dark. I was moving fast. No way he got This man is clearly enough. accused of murdering his wife. So if called to testify, you'll say you were moving fast. I'm talking allegedly. By his account, man, I wasn't there. Right. When I left in the afternoon, she was still alive. The cop is lying. All right, look, I'm not saying the DA will go for a plea, but if I can... No! I want you to beat it. One eyewitness at nighttime, man, you got to be able to make reasonable doubt on that. Well, you've got the right guy. I don't, Ooh, we're Eugene zooming in from the like outside of the window. Six months. Oh, that's cool. On each count. No, total. We got a Berluti case. What? This is a liberal judge, and he can go easy on sentencing. What the hell is but, this guy wearing? And this is important. Guy wearing something interesting enough to comment about it. Is he a pimp, or is he just maybe a Andrew Dice Clay? impersonator kind of guy kind of yeah so this guy is played by garland spencer from terminator sarah connor chronicles american dreams and nypd blue what the hell is american dreams i know <laughs> he's probably gonna tell you a story about ray charles what you mean about ray charles he lectures defendants his favorite is the ray charles story it's corny but you have to take it seriously I had a defendant snicker once, and this guy doubled the sentence. I want you to think sad thoughts and just get through it. And show remorse. Okay. You take responsibility for the crime. Don't be saying you never had the drugs. Got it. And whatever you do, don't laugh. I'm looking See, that at would be, prison time, you could Mr. never Baluti. say that to me. Ain't gonna be no now laugh. Now I'm guaranteed to laugh. Yeah. She was unconscious. You were oh my God, Bruce Davidson's look. tape is back. You put her in the car to make it look like a suicide. It's what happened, isn't it? This is the part that kills us. Did we see this before this tape? We did, yes. Oh, the breakdown, right. That's the bomb. This tape got admitted for impeachment, it which is prevented Scott from testifying. Two out of three people you in this room are pregnant. You made him from testifying. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I don't that we know that of. Position again. If the judge let it in once, what makes you think he's going to change his mind now? Judge Wolf isn't the judge for the new trial. We drew Judge Hiller. Responding wow, we to got a report the on a possible here. shooting. When I arrived at the house, I saw the Andy defendant no. leaving the side door of the house. It does look like Andy Carl, but this in fact, man. it is. Yes. What did you do next, officer? A guy who's definitely not Andy Carl, even though he kind of looks like him. He does, but Andy was probably like 14. Because Andy's like our age. Oh, uh, yeah, but he's so much more handsome that I just assume he's younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely. Is anyway, uh, it's not Andy. In fact, it is Timothy Carhart from Thelma and Louise, Yellowstone, Mad Men, Twenty Four, The X Files. He plays Commander Christopher Hobson in Redemption Part Two on Next Generation. In case you're not Phoenix, he was the guy who was the asshole to Data when he was in command. Hmm. But he learned a lesson, and we have all learned. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. Yeah. This far, no father. No father. Uh, speaking of unnecessary references that no one will get but you, Keith. Mm. You, remember that reading we did of that show that I won't mention uh, with Andy? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Other Sex, the show right. that I wrote and got fired for. Okay, okay, so we're going to mention it. So <laughs> He was great, uh, though. We were all great, by the way. Oh yes, yes. You you okay. were I, I you were spectacular. Thank you. So me and Andy rushed to pee uh, right before the uh, right before the reading started. Right. I forget what studio we were at, and we had just we literally just met. Like I knew we, I knew him. We had like crossed paths a few times, but this first time we actually had worked together. And uh, anyway, we start peeing. We're like a few urinals apart in Chelsea Studios or wherever we were, and. He just turns to me. This is Andy. He's so goddamn funny. Uh, he turns to me and he goes, that's a hell of a stream, man. Like we had just met. <laughs> and he just like broke the tension by referencing this the the, the strength of my pee stream. <laughs> I really, really set should, the table. The first time I met Anthony Rapp, it was the exact same situation. And I really should have done that. Instead, I was like awkwardly, hey, man. That said, everybody listening to the podcast, that reminds me, I peed directly next to at the Regal Cinemas here in Astoria, Queens, uh, Kevin mm -hmm. Bacon. And oh, so now cool. you have a direct link through my pee stream to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> well, if well, I guess we're telling stories about people we've peed next to. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the most obscure. We need to jingle obscure <laughs> celebrities we've peed next to. <laughs> nice stream. I peed next to Rudy Giuliani once. <laughs> Here in Astoria. <laughs> uh, at the end of, for the end of the season five Oopsie Spectacular, we need a title card of all the people we've peed next to. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by, and we've peed next to. I entered the premises and discovered the victim, an African-American female. We're still not through the pre-roll credits, by the way. Age, no. With what apparently was a single gunshot wound to the head. She was dead. Yes, ma'am. When did you next see the defendant, officer? Two days later. I identified him in a police lineup as being the man I saw fleeing the house. Thank you. To your knowledge, sir, were any fingerprints found on the gun? The gun was never retrieved. Was any gunshot residue Big found fan. on my client's hands? No. 
To your knowledge, was a trace metal test done to see if my client had even held a gun? The test came back negative, but it was two days later. Thank you, sir. You said you picked my client out of a police lineup. You recognized him? Yes. In fact, you had met my client before, hadn't you? Once. Uh, you had responded to a domestic conflict before at his residence? Yes. When you saw my client in the police lineup, is it possible you recognized him because you had met him before? No, I recognized him both as a man I'd met before and as the man I saw fleeing the house the night of the shooting. So the man was running out a side door? Correct. Toward the front Little of the fan. house or the back? The back. So he was running away from you? I got a good look at him. He was running away from you, sir, at night? I got a good look. Let the record Why show you I out still of position? choose Eugene every time. What? Always. That's the term when you're outside your assigned area. A call came in of a possible shooting. You said you were on it, but you were outside your patrol area. I wasn't that far outside my area. You weren't the closest unit. No. Why'd you take the call? I recognized the address. Why were you playing out of position, officer? I don't remember. Fugue state. You don't remember. <laughs> That's right. That uh, Eugene officer, comes in like ten my minutes. My client has and been in drug programs. He's clean. Officer he hasn't did a great used. job playing. He's willing to do there. community service upon release, Your Honor. In fact, it's something he wants to do. And the Commonwealth is okay Stop with six months. Right. I feel it's a little light, there. but we're guys. What is this? If you are watching along, you know we have a giant and important guest star. The voice you are about to hear is none other than René Aubergenois. Of course, Odo on Deep Space Nine. Otherwise, he is twice Emmy nominated, perhaps for this episode. He was also in Benson. He's done a ton of voiceover work, including Pound Puppies. He was the original uh, Father Mulcahy in the MASH movie. He was also in 1976's King Kong. He has 13 Broadway credits, including Dance of the Vampires, Sly Ooh. Fox, City of Angels, and Big River. Other Star Trek work includes Ezrin in the Enterprise episode Oasis. And he was Colonel West, i.e. the secret bad guy in Star Trek VI. Ladies and gentlemen, René Aubergenois. You know, I had a, a date with a girl who was in Dance with the Vampires, so I had to sit through the show. <gasps> I saw it live, too. Oof. Not opposing. Amazing! I'm obsessed right. with it. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Step back. She Mr. Was great. Rabbit, she was please awesome. rise. <clears throat> I bet. And before I sentence you, young man, I want to talk to you, not as a judge, but as a teacher, and perhaps comes. as a friend. I know that but young men like you rarely have the benefit of a male He's awesome. I influence love in your community. Well, maybe for this one moment in this Never very special place, I can be a father to you this is really and funny. a friend. I'd like to tell you a little story, a Ray true Charles story. Story. Now, many years ago, a little child was born in the South. Poor, hungry. The court stenographer black. is no direction. Mashing it along. Yeah. And more than that, 
He was blind. But this boy had a gift. His gift was music. People loved to sit and listen to this boy play the piano. But like you, he had a monkey on his back. The monkey of drug addiction. He was addicted to heroin. Lord God, he loved the needle. But you know what? Blind, Jimmy sees his black, client trying not to laugh. addicted to drugs. He beat his monkey. Beat it, I tell you. And he went on to become a beloved American, a hero, a black, blind, American hero. This hero. is killing me too. And that man had a name, son. His name was Mr. Raymond Charles. Now let this be the first day of the rest of your life, young soldier. A drug-free life. Go forward to make this world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> well, he laughed. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry, Your Honor. You think this is funny? No, sir. Should point well, out. I'm not impressed with your disrespect for those listening. Mr. Babbitt. Uh, part of the Perhaps condescension not here quite is ready to go back into the, the world. Is black. Your Honor, never mind, Mr. Baludi. The defendant is sentenced to 18 months at Cedar Junction. 18 months. Bailiff, take the defendant into custody. We're it adjourned. A simple, it was a, a simple drug charge, right? Yeah. Let's go. I mean, it's an interesting angle here with the liberal condescending judge. Mm-hmm. Like, which is like good intentions, His but oh my fire? God. Well, I see he's receiving psychiatric treatment. That would be totally privileged. Ordinarily, yes. But sometimes the courts have looked into the records of police officers when they're relevant to the case. And what would be the relevance here? I don't know, Your Honor. But you saw him up there. He's hiding something. And if there's anything in those files that goes to his credibility, I should be allowed access. You haven't made any showing, and you can't make any offer of proof that there is anything. Helen, come on. I just got this case with my morning cup of coffee. And I know your Pardon honor me does- if I'm wrong. This is the first actively litigated case by Helen, new Helen, right? Uh, No, last week was. When she was going after the guy who was abusing his wife and daughter. Right. Remember, he went to the school and the girl from the ring was there. Mm-hmm. Right. Do not want to give this world-class citizen any grounds for appeal? I'll tell you what. I will look at the report. If I see anything that's relevant, I'll let you look. Otherwise, forget it. I'll let you look and you will get the hardest erection of life. It'll be, uh, it'll be so Taken hard to be like Mike context, looking at his guitar. It looks like an admission. It was in complete context. Or Keith's intro of that Star Trek character. <laughs> Look, if you watch Deep Space Nine, I thought Nine, I was going to have to change the rating to uh, NC-17 on that. I didn't know where we were going, but Keith was getting red. <laughs> well, hey, look, this I, I, I'm going to I am going to finally explain to you what you were seeing on the two shot. So uh, Odo, the character is a changeling, meaning he is actually capable of changing into literally anything. and But he lives in a liquid state. And when he sleeps, he is a, basically a pile of goo. So that bucket is where he sleeps. Oh, or it could be him changing his state to a chorus line hat costume. <laughs> 
Well, he's a Broadway guy. He's done many Broadway musicals. For those of you listening to this podcast 10 years from now, which is probably when most people will listen for some reason, uh, Mm -hmm. Broadway Mm -hmm. was a thing that used to happen. It was live theatrical performances, and you could go to them with other people and sit there and watch a show. It was cool. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was was quite the thing back in the day. Keith and I made like $800 performing. (laughs) We What's did. more, silence is admissible. Failure to respond to an accusation made That's against gross. you can legally be considered an admission. First of all, that begs the conclusion that this was a voluntary communication. Did your client not get Miranda? He did, but he was in shock at the time. I have submitted to the court three psychiatric reports here. Oh, which question yeah. the voluntariness. Oh, please, Mr. Donald. Defense lawyers can hire psychiatrists <laughs> all the time to proclaim he didn't know what he was saying. We have a man whose wife was found dead. And he was still trying to absorb that when the police suddenly handcuffed him. Next thing, he's in the room with a district attorney. A district attorney who now believes he's innocent. By the way, she never said that. It's too prejudicial to allow a jury to see it. It would bias them. What Mr. Donnelly is saying is he doesn't trust juries. Well, that's the system of this country. And if it displeases him, perhaps he should move to Cuba. Mr. Bay, did you see the sign, check your soapbox at the door? No. Do I need to hang one? The bottom line question is whether the potential prejudice of this tape outweighs its probative value. The answer is yes. Let them try Scott Wallace on the evidence. And the evidence alone, not an emotional breakdown which occurred in the wake of an unimaginable tragedy. This man is in a psychiatric ward as we speak. How convenient. You know what, Richard? All right. I've heard the arguments. I have your briefs. I'll take the matter under advisement and I'll rule. Thank you both. It was totally, totally, totally my fault. I kept telling him not to laugh. I think I put so much pressure on him. Why would you have to tell him not to laugh? Because you're a ball of goo? Well, he gets extremely nervous and laughing is a reaction he has. That's why. I was so afraid he might get nervous and laugh here. I kept hounding him, and I I just made it worse. He wasn't laughing at what you were saying, Your Honor. I promise you. He sure seemed to be. He's a nervous kid. He's facing jail. Who's going to laugh at that? To triple his sentence? Please, Your Honor. (coughs) Hmm. All right. Ooh, dodged a bullet there, Jimmy. I'll have him brought back in. We can resentence. Oh, shit. But I'm giving you and your client a break, Mr. Berluti. I understand that. And I'm very grateful, Judge. Look at that tie. That is a perfect tie, Jimmy. My medical file? If the judge thinks there's nothing relevant, they'll stay sealed. This is the cop testifying. The guy looks like Andy Carl. What's wrong? I've been married 17 years. I have kids. Paul, what's the matter? Paul, oh. I... What's in the file? I beat up a couple guys. I was in a chorus. I'm gay. Hey! You were right. Your prediction was was sort of right. I said the word gay. When he said... You did. Playing out of position, I thought for a second he knew. Nowadays, that's more truth than so you can I expect from anybody. I up there on the stand. 
It is totally irrelevant. That's my call, actually. But thanks for your input. So well, I'm not so sure it is irrelevant. Maybe I was uh, patting myself on the back too loudly. Why does his gayness have to come up in court? Well, that is a really good question, and it's gonna we're gonna have a lot of like 2000 interjecting itself <laughs> into this. But he is closeted. Okay. So he is still married and in the closet. Right. But what does his sexuality have to do with? Was he like, did he, was was he turning a trick or something? uh, No, but Eugene's going to make an argument here. Uh oh. Are we going to like this argument? Yeah, probably not. If this situation caused stress, which affected job performance. Well, it didn't. That's what it seems to suggest. His sexual orientation did not impair his ability to make an ID of a fleeing suspect, Eugene. Helen, this whole case turns on the credibility of this officer. If he was dealing with severe stress, I have to be allowed to cross-examine First, him. this is so collateral. I disagree. And second, it will ruin the man's life. And the conviction ruins another man's life. You really want to go down that path? Your Honor, you want to take me off this case? Fine. But as long as I'm on it... You will be despicable. He's going to plan G him? All right. I will let you introduce that he was receiving psychiatric treatment for stress. The cause of that stress is off limits. I'd like to read the report. Denied. And Eugene, you are not to even share this information with your client. I don't think you can order that. I just did. Don't you try to test Judge Kittleson. What the fuck is wrong? So how are you feeling? I'm feeling bad idea. You look better. I'm feeling good. Bruce Davidson again. No more spots? I want her to get you a couple Welcome of new to the suits episode, for trial, so she'll need to take some measurements. We've well, really shoehorned you into right? the scene, because otherwise you wouldn't be in the episode. Well, let's see how the ruling goes on the videotape, but hopefully you'll testify yes. We're going to pretend like we're going to... All right, let's really think about this. I got to go to the courthouse, everybody. Um, Who should I bring with me? One of my other lawyers? No, no, no. Hey, secretary, would you mind uh, grabbing your yellow notepad and just coming with me to jail, please? And to get measurements on the client? Are they going to custom build him a suit for the appeal because it's not like he hasn't been in a suit for his entire trial and an entire set of appeals and and it, it, but beyond that we need to tailor the suit so well he can't just say what his size is she's going to take measurements for the so suit yeah, this is take the those most measurements and then while we're here if you wouldn't mind uh rolling back down to lock up and just like show your panties to a couple of people and see if we can't get a couple of convictions it is absolutely like the effort they put to force Lucy into this episode is ridiculous. Are you got any good news? All I give you here is jello, damn it. Still not doing well. But I do like Jello. Second trials to Jello's awesome. The defendant. There won't be like any that gray they've this painted the, uh, the bricks in the prison. We'll be ready for to think about that from my basement. Good. Excellent. Good. I have to go buy a new Wi-Fi router. And I just want to apologize mm. to the court. If are you I using Wi-Fi right now, or are you on? Are you hardwired? It wasn't my intent I'm to hard offend wired, you. Yeah. I understand from your attorney that you couldn't control yourself. That's right. All right. But before I resentence you, here we go. I'd like to tell you a little story about a woman (laughs) who, like you, lacked control sometimes. Like you, she had an addiction. Her addiction was gambling. 
Like you, she wanted the fast life with fast cars. But she only got those things when she learned to control herself and beat her addiction. When she learned to oh, work hard, and beating. she did work hard, young man. She had the voice of an angel, and with her golden voice and hard work, she too beat her monkey. And that woman had a name, son. Her name was Miss Gladys Knight. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. Me too. I promise. Now it's 24 months. The defendant is hereby sentenced to 12 months on each count. The sentences to run consecutively. Two years? For 24 months, you were right. Custody. We're adjourned. Rain man over here. Uh, 24 months. Uh, must be 24 months. He's gay. Chorus line, 24 months. Keith, I, I, I have to... I didn't like Jimmy's laugh there. I thought that Michael Badalucco forced that a little bit. You can't I, I introduce was, it. He can only put it in that you were undergoing uh, yes, treatment well, for well, stress. Well, I, I agree with you. But here's here's my thought. When he did it, I thought that it was Jimmy la- knowing that his client was going to laugh and deciding to fall on the sword and laugh first and mm. hopefully his client, you know, gets less of a gets fucked less. I I feel like it it was the character Jimmy forcing a laugh, not Michael not laughing believably. Well, we're going to do something. uh, I'm going to tell you why I refute that, and then we're going to go back and watch it again. And I apologize to people listening to us watch this beat. Um, I will tell you that it's at... Let me get there first. I'll tell you exactly where we're at. Go back, go back. Uh, Here we go. So it's at about... uh, they changed the time. Oh, 1824 in the episode. Because, Keith, once he does the laugh that you say is falling on his sword, he then realizes he laughs and makes a face, which seems to me to indicate that he's not. I think it's all Jimmy acting, but let's okay, watch it again. Name was Miss Gladys Knight. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. You know what? Defendant into I, uh, custody. We're adjourned. I think I buy that, Keith. I buy it. Bonaluco's too good. He's too good. Yeah. I mean, laughing on camera is to fake laugh is a very difficult acting task. Ah! <laughs> 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 oh See, it's not really, you know. Actually, he can't goddamn introduce easy. it. He can only put it in that you were undergoing treatment for stress. I've testified before. These lawyers trick you. What if he twists one of my answers and says, I open the door? I will protect you. You have my word. This Eugene Young has a reputation. What does he care if it's uh, called a mistrial? For him, Paul, he'll do anything. Within the law. Judge Kittleson was very clear in her ruling. Mr. Young will abide by it. Listen. You just answered uh, yes. Kittleson's also been known to I suffered have from stress and I out, sought so. treatment. It didn't affect me that night. Keep it as simple as that, but do not, do not lie, because then he can get in the other stuff through impeachment. Just 
Just answer the questions, don't elaborate, and I will protect you. Impeachment doesn't mean anything. Sorry. No obstruction, no collusion. I'm cured. Mild COVID. I have read both your briefs. I also watched the videotape again, and it is my conclusion Judge Wolf aired. Allowing the tape in for impeachment purposes, his legal rationale escapes me. This tape is outright admissible altogether. This I'm permitting prosecution to use it as evidence. Mr. Donnell, if you think the statements or conduct of Mr. Wallace were a result of shock or trauma, you're free to raise that in your defense. That is all. The trial will begin next Tuesday at 9 a.m. We're adjourned. We're gonna stretch this out as far as we can. Even though the resolution hasn't changed on Hulu, you can tell it's being shot in high definition. The transcripts are in. I'll have. Yeah, this episode is particularly beautifully shot. You never saw Bobby's freckles before. Now I can't see anything else. If that's Bobby, it was the right ruling. I should at least try. No, you shouldn't. We have six days to get ready for trial. You can't waste time on. He's thirsty for freckles. Ritz, let's focus on what we can win now. You start preparing the psychiatric experts. I'll go over the transcripts with Eleanor. First, I gotta get something to eat. I'm obviously pleased with the ruling. The Commonwealth has always felt that the statement was a de facto admission and that it was evidence. I'm satisfied that a jury will now get to consider that evidence. That is all. Two Polaroids. And a Devere Smith just blocking everything, not getting any rules. Have you ever made arrests where the district attorneys have refused to prosecute? Of course. How many times? I'm not sure. More than five? Yes. More than 10. Is he going to gay shame him here? More than 20. Objection. What's the point of this? The point is this officer sometimes claims a crime has been committed only to have the DA say otherwise. A district attorney's decision to dismiss often turns on the prospect of getting a conviction. It's not about overruling the arresting police officer. Well, sometimes it does involve the honesty of the officer, and that's what I'm trying to explore. I'll allow it. Officer Brewer, how are you on the issue of honesty? What is that supposed to mean? Are you an honest person, sir? Objection. Sounds like badgering. Every witness Objection. by testifying You're puts his credibility in ice, issue. Eugene. And I'm allowed to explore this man's reputation for truthfulness. The objection is overruled. Do you consider yourself to be a truthful person, sir? Yes. You live a truthful life? Objection. Sustained. Oh, Are you receiving psychiatric treatment, officer? Yes. Does one of the issues for which you are receiving treatment concern your ability to be truthful? Objection. Overruled. It's beyond the scope. I'll allow it. Do you have trouble being truthful? I'll repeat the question, sir. Do you have trouble being truthful? Yes. In fact, you lie every day, don't you, officer? Yikes. Yes. One of the reasons you sought psychiatric treatment is you were afraid your lying caused you such stress that it perhaps started to affect your job. Isn't that right, officer? Did you not hear the question, sir? I I can repeat it. I heard the question. Vocal fry. The answer is yes. 
Thank you, officer. I have nothing further. Yikes. Wow, man, that was, uh... Tell you what, though, oh. effective. It, yeah, I mean, it's just so dicey. Mr. Baluti, I'm not interested. Your Honor, one second. Because... Get a picture. Oh, go ahead. Because, because it's, it's sort of an... Well, not sort of. It's an implicit threat, right? Is what it is. It absolutely is. Well, it, it's it's extortion. It's extortion. For, it, it, yeah, it, it's basically extortion, and it's an extortion for a thing that, at at least in our experience in New York, which is very different from a lot of other places in the country, it's a thing that doesn't even matter anymore. Who right. gives a shit if the cop is gay? But at that point, even in a even in a blue state. Chaos, monsters running around. Like, it was still something that you could extort somebody over. And it's so sad. Yeah, I mean, the, it's... it's The destruction and tragedy caused by just fucking homophobia. And he's about to get six Meanwhile, there's a picture of now Jimmy Carter. Years? You know that isn't right. <laughs> well, maybe next time office. that will mitigate your amusement when... I have Jimmy Carter. Apology accepted, but the sentence stands. You were like, let me just do Clinton, but a little more Southern. It's one thing to exercise discretion. It's another <laughs> it's, to flaunt it's your just ego. Clinton and without this, the vocal fry. Mr. Though I, I do want to, you know what? We've been non-secreting all over the place. <clears throat> Today we were watching Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. <laughs> this morning, like, let's go, let's, it's Saturday morning. Let's get up and watch Leap of Faith. Well, as well as trying to fix the uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, <clears throat> so Leap of Faith is on and, uh, Liam Neeson's in that movie, which I forgot entirely. And you almost never see Liam Neeson trying to do an American accent. Oh, it's not good. It is terrible, which I guess is early enough in his career where he was still trying. And then at some point he was just like, you know what? I don't do that anymore. I just, I just speak like myself. But it's, there was a, it, I think there was a family guy gag about the fact that Liam Neeson can't do an American accent. It's really bad. So if uh, you're if you're looking for something to do with your weekend, uh, Leap of Faith, great movie. Steve Martin's excellent in that movie. I mean, ask me how my Irish accent is. Not oh. good. Yeah. Well, I can. My Irish accent is passable, but only when doing lines from the musical once. <laughs> Since those are the only things I've drilled. I basically hey, just sound like I'm from selling uh, cereal. And before you go skulking out of here, thinking Oi. of me as the bad Oi. judge, keep in mind. <laughs> that I was about to help your client, not only with a lesser sentence, but also with some advice that could help his life. Now, you defense attorneys get them off. What do they do? They go right back out and commit another crime. You know, I've never listened to a podcast that's less about the thing it's about. <laughs> I try to reach them, and I do. I tried to reach your client to offer his life some direction, like I have with so many before him. And he laughed, as did his attorney. Maybe it's your ego that needs adjustment. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast where Keith and Mike talk to each other because they don't have any other friends. And so, uh, buckle up. It's not untrue. I laughed because I've heard the Ray Charles story a zillion times as have all the lawyers who appear before you. We all tell our clients it's funny. We all tell them not to laugh. We're all afraid they might laugh because it's so ridiculous. Oh, shit. 
It's a joke, Your Honor. Truth Poor, black, blind. This man had a name, son. It's paternalistic, insulting, and all the lawyers laugh at you. I don't know that this candor is going to be helpful in any way. But I do think it's it's a valuable story to tell. I mean, because of the sort of like implicit racism in like, you know, it's it's the well-intentioned white person just like not getting it. White it, yeah, and it, it, it's absolutely white splaining. It, and it's an interesting point of view for 2000. It's a little ahead of its time here. Yeah, I mean, actually, that was really a great drawn into contrast during the vice presidential debate, right? You had a guy who was clearly, uh, look, I won't even be overt about that. He it has biases that his, his politics clearly prescribe. And you had right. a very proven her record proves that she's a very uh, intelligent capable worthy uh, opponent in that debate who had to basically run the gamut of of trying to be uh, say the right things the right way because she's a minority and she's also a woman and so she couldn't actually you know like everybody had these implicit sort of hoops to jump oh through. she had to <clears throat> land a triple axle every time she spoke every facial expression she made and it still didn't make a difference because people are going to be shitty. I just made the mistake of doing it in the room. If that buys me a jail cell for contempt, so be it. But that's what's going on. You're naive to think you reach defendants. And if you punish them out of anger, you're also a bad judge. Fuck. Truth bomb from Jimmy. Mr. Baluti. I will ask you once again to leave my chambers. I'm filing a motion for reconsideration anyway, even though I can't stop you from doing what you're going to do. Second time this season, right? That we've been, we're putting judges on trial. Yep. You said you would protect me. Everything he asked was arguably within the proper scope. I tried to shut him down. You said you would protect me. Well, I couldn't. Listen, Eugene Young is a very smart lawyer. He doesn't want the jury to know that you're gay or what the lie is actually about. He knows the jury would just dismiss it as irrelevant. Look, I'd like to introduce what you're untruthful about. Excuse me? Paul, if we don't fill in some of the blanks for the jury, your credibility is shot with them. If we tell them what Eugene is talking about, they'll know you're not dishonest. And my family will know I'm gay. My partners will know my life, my career. You're basically the only witness we have. If we don't reestablish your credibility, I can't convict here. Paul, the guy shot and killed a woman. It's so sad. Like, this story is, is tremendously no. sad. Because of the position I can't do what you're asking in. me to do. Well, I don't need your consent, really. I'll figure really out a way to get it on me direct too. if I have to. I mean, certainly. You're going to out For me, the time and for, I, I guess, a lot of the country. Choice. I mean, it's. Yeah, you it, do it have It seems a choice, so silly so to us, I. but it's not if for you, a lot of people. 
I'll- yeah, remember when Ellen came out? I mean, if you look back at that that hype now, it does seem quote unquote silly, right? So because silly. Like, but it it wasn't. It was really at the time, which is why, in contrast, like when Mayor Pete's up there being such a baller right now and just like owning his life and not apologizing or even allowing it into conversation, I think it's just so, you know, I don't know. I don't want to speak for. I'm not in. I, I I'm in a very privileged spot, but I think that <clears throat> it does show that we at least have made some movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at, some of us have made some movement. We all have more to learn, all more to do. But like, I, it, it I watched this story today, thinking like, well, what's the problem? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, but it's just it, that is, that, that's coming from several layers of privilege, including twenty years later. I can't wait to see where it goes too, because for him to like acquiesce, if the, if he acquiesces here, what courage to show for justice? You know what I mean? Yep. Recant. I'll say it wasn't the defendant I saw that night. No, you won't, Paul. You're an honest man. No, I think Mr. Young established quite clearly well, also, that I'm you know, not. There's, another, you there's can... another layer with this, right? Because him being gay doesn't matter. Because he's talking about his family and his wife. So is he cheating on his wife? Or does he? is he just gay? Because those are two very different things. Because, like, you don't have to not have your family and not have your wife because you are gay. You, I think that's you know, too many. I think that's too many layers of the onion to try to peel for, like, a primetime television show. I think right, because, have, like, <clears throat> you feel what you feel. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're not cheating on your wife because you're gay because you're attracted to other people. Yeah, I think I think. But I think keeping it simple here is important that, like, it, it the point here is that it has nothing to do with his judgment as a police officer. Right. And he saw course. the guy. He saw the guy. Right. Of course. And it's interesting. Not It's not often that they put our team as, 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 as much as we put defense attorneys through the mud or they try to highlight that. Our team isn't usually as on the wrong side, you know? Right. Blatant. Well, this is the but season perjury, of trying to redeem your Helen. life and career truly might be over. I'll make my life decisions. And I'll make mine. <laughs> right after she also extorts him. For trying to redeem Helen. She's still Helen. Have you ever been in a community theater production of A Chorus Line? <laughs> I think we all I would know what court, we need to know now. all the circumstances, and especially that the Commonwealth and the defense have submitted a joint recommendation. That's all it is, Mr. Baluti. A recommendation. Either for the judge to accept. Oh my God. I'm sorry, everyone. Keith, I'll leave the mm-hmm. person, it doesn't matter who this person is. I will say that someone in my close circle within the past two weeks, actually said to me, we were having a political, uh, let's call it a debate and not an Mm -hmm. argument, Mm -hmm. said the words, I have gay friends, which Uh. is in direct opposition to what I said moments ago that we've made movement because like you, I think you you parsed it a little better. Some of us have made some movement. (laughs) Right. I was like, if you said those words, you've now destroyed your own argument. Let's, this conversation has come to a close. Yeah, or reject. Enough. I have chosen to reject it. And I find myself very annoyed that you are back before this bench with nothing new. If you have Not nothing yet. new to tell me, but this, is gonna be awesome. this hearing is over. 
what's new? In addition to appearing as counsel for the defendant, I am here as an officer of this court. I am standing Drink. up for the integrity of this room. You were prepared to issue one sentence, then gave another because you got angry. You're entitled to belittle yourself as a man and as a judge. Shit. But when you belittle this room by abusing your discretion, I'm entitled to have something to say about it. Fuck yeah, Jimmy. Is that all? No, sir. It is not. I want to speak to you. Not simply as a lawyer, but as a friend. There was this judge. She wasn't very judge-like huh? at all. She had terrible manners. She rambled on the bench. She had a big mouth. And she was obnoxious. And Poor guys, like, what's my she had an ego. Lord, she had an ego just like you, Your Honor. She also had a gift. She had the voice of a crow. And she beat her monkey. She relished being obnoxious. She was proud of mistreating people. And she used her ego and her crow-like voice to make millions of dollars. And she had a name, Your Honor. Her name was Judge Judy. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, guess what you get for that? I got a very big dick. Yo, that's top five Jimmy moments series-wide. Amazing. And proves also, his point. It's very, really well-written. Just dynamite writing, too. Mr. Baluti, you are in contempt of court. Bailiff, take him into custody. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is now your sixth major character to go to jail soggy french fries congratulations we've now there are only two of our main characters who have not been thrown in jail and that's rebecca and lucy we're still waiting officer how many times have you testified in criminal proceedings probably over 40. have you ever been accused of perjury no how many times have you listened to the sound of music soundtrack on vinyl Ever had a case of yours thrown out because of unreliable testimony on your part? Not one. You also testified that you see a psychiatrist. Yes. Do your supervisors know about it? My watch commander does. Has he changed your assignments because of it? Put you on desk? No. You admitted to Mr. Young that you lie almost every day. Helen can't out About him. a personal matter. Goes against yes. everything they've been Did building. Did it affect your work on this particular case? No. Did you lie about what happened the night Tasha Cooper was killed? No, I did not. Have you ever lied in your capacity as a police officer? No, I have not. When it comes to making observations, making arrests, giving testimony about those arrests, do you consider yourself to be a truthful person? Yes, I do. Come on, Helen, this is it. This is the final exam for you. Who was the man you saw fleeing the house that night? That man. There. The defendant. Nothing further, Your Honor. 
Come on, Helen. Thank you, officer. I have nothing further. Boom! All right, Helen. Oh, that B-roll. It's a setback. That I won't beautiful kid you. shot. Bruce Davidson and Is Bobby. Is this judge going to go against us? No, he's no. going. She's extremely loony. fair. She won't do us any favors, but this case won't be decided by her. This time, you will have to testify. I'm ready. I can handle all the witnesses. We're in good shape Does, there. Are we going on Why to the sixth episode of this case, Keith? And your response to it on the stand? Yeah, we That's are. what will decide this Thank case. God. Why is Bobby in his now, cell Bobby. and not in the meeting room? Before I There's was still in grief. There. You know, I couldn't believe she was gone. But now, when I think of what she did, I mean, killing herself right after we had a fight, I mean, that was an angry act, Bobby. I mean, that wasn't depression. She was doing it to me. That was hateful. And right now, I hate her. Scott. I hate her, and I'm not going to lie in some wallow any longer. Everything is easier now being angry at her. Uh-oh. I have my focus back. I hate her. Okay, well, we've really distilled that down. Yikes. What say you, Eugene? One eyewitness who sees a man at night from the side running away from him. Could he describe him? Black, medium build. No clothes, no distinguishing characteristics, just black, medium build. A black man in the dark running away three, four seconds, but he got a good look. Black, big head. Now, we all know what happened here. That man saw somebody running. He then sees the wife dead, figures it must have been the husband he saw going out the door. He then picks the husband out of a lineup. But that was easy, because he had met the husband before. No weapon. No gunshot residue on my client's hands. Nothing to suggest he had even held a gun, much less fired one. That police officer made a guess, and he's sticking by his hunch. That's what this is, and we all know it. One three-second ID in the dark by a self-confessed liar, that isn't proof. Their whole case comes down to the say-so of a man receiving psychiatric treatment to deal with stress caused by his inability to tell the truth. Do I really need to stand here and tell you there's reasonable doubt? Eugene no argued other a really prints. good case, though. No DNA. Yeah. No physical or testimonial evidence to even suggest that anyone else was in that house that night. No other cars in the area. The intruder fled on foot. It was that man fleeing the house. Officer and Brewer saw him. He was unequivocal in that. The defendant, Brian Grant, was the man he saw leave that house. Defense has offered neither evidence nor testimony to shake that ID. All Mr. Young could seize upon was some psychiatric treatment that Officer Brewer is undergoing for a personal matter. Yes, 
He lies about something in his personal life. Big deal, we get that. But he doesn't lie as a police officer. It doesn't make him an unreliable witness. In fact, in 21 years, Officer Brewer has had an exemplary record of honesty on the force. He's never given untruthful testimony. He's never been a false witness. His honor has been beyond reproach. Just as his testimony is here when he tells you, that's the man he saw leave that house. You haven't heard one word suggesting that anyone else committed this murder. Gee, I wonder why. He's home alone with his wife. He shot her. He's seen running out. That's why we're here. I don't know, Mike. What do you think? Guilty. Go. Okay, Jimmy's getting a visit from Goo. The only no reason I don't keep you overnight for what I deem to be criminal disrespect. How long have they been laughing at me? Long time. How long have you been telling that Ray Charles story? At least I try to do something. I care, at least. Most judges. Tell your client I'll give him six months. Beat it. That's it? You want a story first, counsel? No. Great scene. Just go. Scoring. Amazing scene. People can change, Keith. A little something called humility. We don't usually see it in our current discourse, but it does. Well, and that's it really just shows Renee's amazing ability to be fast. strong and vulnerable at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, that really is his. Like, and once you watch Deep Space Nine, you'll, you're going to see it a lot because he's like he's the cop, he's the tough guy. And yet has this amazing vulnerability to him. Uh, the Eugene's client, we've we've jumped over to the <clears throat> to the verdict, just said they came back kind of quick. And it's become almost like an inside joke now on the show, right? Don't you think? Like they're always they, quick. Yeah. That mean anything? Usually it means it was a quick decision. <laughs> Mr. Grant, dick move. the court will ask you to stand. The guy's please. about to lose his life being a dick. Mr. Foreman, has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? Commonwealth versus Brian Grant. On the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Brian Grant, not guilty. On the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant, Brian Grant, not guilty. Huh. Members of the jury, your service is completed, and we thank you. The defendant is free to go, and we are adjourned. Wow. 
Thanks, man. Sure. Innocent till proven guilty. The motto lives. We'll see you next time. Wow. Good one. I'm sorry we didn't get him. Yeah. Did our best. Miss Gamble. Thank you. I wish you well, Paul. I mean, he you might too. have killed a person. Yes. Helen looks at Eugene. Eugene looks conflicted. Go figure. Got some flyover B-roll. I really appreciate you coming in. Lying brothers coming to see Bobby. Uh, Lane it's Davies against my better judgment. I totally understand. It's just lawyer to lawyer. You're aware that Helen Gamble believes your client committed perjury in the first trial. Ms. Gamble was mistaken. Yes, well, I don't believe she was. Mr. Donald, I'm confused as to the agenda here. Certainly the agenda we could have... is this. I'm putting you on notice. If your client takes the stand again and lies, I'll be taking his house. Bobby? Tell him, Mr. Stone. Tell him the exposure he faces. Abuse of process, false imprisonment. I don't know what you think you're doing. If he lies again, I'll be filing a complaint against you for suborning perjury. I'm reporting this to the district attorney's office. You do that, but in the meantime, get around to giving your client some legal advice. Come on, Kyle. Bobby puts hands on him. Tell him what I'll do to him, Mr. Stone. Tell him. You just crossed the line, Mr. Donald. That's Bobby McRambo to you, Stone. sir. Just you and me. Does Bobby know this old lawyer? Like, am I missing something here? No, he's just pissed off. I call intimidating a lead witness for the prosecution. I gotta keep that lying bastard out of the witness chair. You've got a lawyer in there who just threatened my client. Really? With you there, call the police. Helen's Hello, visiting Eugene. I came to congratulate you. And I get a personal visit for that. That. And the police just got into a shootout with the man who fired back with the gun used to kill Tasha Cooper. He matched the description of the suspect Officer Brewer saw running, and he also confessed to the crime. Oh, wow. I know you didn't care if your client was guilty. I thought you might be interested to know he was innocent. So I put on a lot of extra lipstick to come tell you that. Uh, was she just trying to scramble Eugene's brain there? Or what was that play? I, I think she was just giving him I think she was like doing the, the right thing and giving him the information I think that was just like a, a gesture of friendship huh well Keith, we know, can discuss that and a lot more when we hop over back to YouTube after I take wow Keith clearly that episode put me through it it really did I, it uh, possibly electrocuted you <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> 
There's a, I mean, look, I have not had good hair situations ever, but you've got some Doc Brown going there. Yeah, this is like COVID meets election stress meets moving mm-hmm. meets mm-hmm. the whole... Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, it's actually fairly impressive how many, <laughs> many regards. Look, you know, Marty! as <laughs> as two uh, forty and or impending forty year olds, I'm just happy there's anything there to yeah, be bad. We really, I'll take it. It's all that I will take it. Um, but first, dollar store yeah. Propecia. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. Right, that's right. <laughs> we're doing a uh, we're, uh, we're doing a podcast, a podcast which always continues with. With oh right, oh, god Jeez. damn it! I forgot what was. I'm the second time I forgot. <laughs> oh, I don't remember what we do on the show. But in fact, what we do is recap this episode, so you can remember what happened. But first, we have to find out how. Mike has thirty seconds to remember what just happened. Segway. I need Yo, a snack. Not only is Keith flustered, but so is everybody on our side. Eugene's defending a guy and playing Jesus, or accuse is threatens to, but it turns out he doesn't really do it, and then the guy gets off anyway, so it's good. But good guy Helen is st- still in play. Bobby's still working with Crazy Guy, and he's threatening people, and he's Bobby McRambo, and we got to go into a sixth episode with Bruce Davidson, and Jimmy's big old dick flops out, he mocks a judge, he mansplains a judge, and the judge acquiesces and Jimmy gets the client off. Well, he gets him six months. He gets him a quarter sentence. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, now we're going to adjudicate everything that just happened and hand out some... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast in unofficial unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie The Oopsies Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, they're a fake award show we do every week that begins with... I did the thing with my neck again. I, I, it's only been <laughs> an hour and a half. I, uh, yay, yay. Um, yay. So, I don't know how you could not pick Jimmy here. I mean, not only did he get his client from 24 months down to four or six, whatever it was. But he also did so by literally, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Literally sort of uh, cutting the balls off, cast uh, castrating a judge in a courtroom. Castrating and castigating. Both of those things, one literal, one not so literal, figurative, if you will, <laughs> My brain spinning, trying to come up with those vocabulary words in my current state. Really, I can smell it. Uh, Wait, here we go. Mike has 30 seconds to To take the SATs again. (laughs) Uh, But he actually got through to said judge. And instead of like the last time we did it, Eleanor was able to get the judge's ruling uh, thrown out in front of his boys. But... 
this time, the judge actually has a change of conscience, uh, a change of heart because of Jimmy. So Jimmy's not only most valuable for his client, but most valuable for sort of officers of the court, if you will. So, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think you can certainly say that uh, Eugene did well. He mm-hmm. got an innocent client off for murder. So the stakes were clearly higher in his case. Also, Helen was able to... Well, she lost. <laughs> she was not able to effectively prosecute uh, her her uh, defendant, but she did at least try to be morally better than usual, Helen. So mm-hmm. uh, partial credit for that. But no, I, I think Jimmy um, just did a lot of really good work. J- Jimmy had an effect on more cases because yeah. I think we will probably see a change in how that judge uh, works moving forward. And, you know, was able to uh, defend his client while also teaching a lesson and being, you know, I, I think compassionate with the uh, with the judge who, uh, you know, was kind of a dum-dum. So congratulations to Jimmy with your MVL. What's next is... Already, Already famous. famous. Been on TV, getting a pay first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best. Okay, best guest actor. Renee. Renee who? Uh, Aubergenois. <laughs> who made Keith leave a pile of goo right on the floor in front of him. So I feel like it's full circle here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, Renee Aubergenois. I looked it up. I, I, that's the most homework I've done this entire. Uh, so I wasn't wrong. I just series. put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. You were way closer than I used to be until I looked it up. Uh, in all seriousness, though, he, you know, you usually don't see someone who has to chew the scenery and then pull the, the full, uh, like sincere scene at the end. And he did both those things, bookending what was really uh, wonderful. I'd like the. Look, it could have been total comedy, those monologues, but he delivered them sincerely, which got across the point that that condescension, he didn't play that condescension. The condescension was inferred because he was playing it sincerely. And I think that is the sign of of a great actor. And so I think it's a no-brainer. Well, it's good acting. It's also good comedy. Yeah. Because like what was funny about it was his sincerity, just his incredibly wrong-headed dumb sincerity uh yeah no i mean like renee is a legendary actor and you see all the things that he can do uh i liked being able to because you don't usually see a lot of his comedy uh and this was he was very very funny in this as well as incredibly heartfelt and just it was really interesting to watch this person have humility injected in them and and have to go through the stages of humility because i think there are stages to humility just like there are to grief and because you have anger you have denial you have you know acceptance and you and you change comes uh hard earned with humility too and i liked seeing that journey so obviously of course 
Rene Aubergenois gets his oopsie. Another Star Trek oopsie. Pretty exciting. And now it's time to hand out another one to the... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. You know, I thought, uh, I thought that Lara Flynn Boyle was really great this episode. I want to shout that out. I thought she, New Helen, it's I a think. Good season for her. Yeah, New Helen really suits Lara Flynn. I feel like, I don't know if she had any input into this kind of change, but hmm. if it, 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 she's wearing it better. I, I think it's also more realistic. I think Stone Cold Helen was a little, I don't know, didn't work as well yeah. for her. Uh, but I think we might be on the same page here. Again, I think once again, uh, Michael Badalucco just just slays it. And, you know, with that one scene in question, even on the rewatch, rewatch, I think you were right. I think he actually, what I called bad acting was Michael Badalucco acting good, bad Jimmy acting. And, right. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of hoops to jump through. And I thought, his his telling of the I, the first two stories that Renee gives were great, funny, but then Jimmy somehow or Michael somehow one ups it even, uh, even though we know the joke's coming and it's just so good. And then that scene in the jail cell I think is the scene of the episode, and both of them are just it's wonderful. It's wonderfully shot. It's wonderfully written. It's wonderfully acted by both of them. The scoring is wonderful. Uh, but I think it's Jimmy's, it's Michael's episode, and and, and I think you'll agree. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I thought Michael did a tremendous job with this. I would love to, in a, a lot of these shows, the scripts are available online. Like all the Star Trek scripts are up there, and and I would love to have to read that scene. What was the direction given to Michael there? Was it just Jimmy laughs? Or Jimmy laughs too. Was that a was that in the script? Was that a directorial decision? Was that Michael's decision mm-hmm. to play it that way? Uh, I'd love to know, Michael, if you're listening, write in, let us know. Um, yeah, and but, just yeah. before anybody writes in to tell us, we've looked, and anything you can find online, anything I've been able to find online, has been transcriptions of the episode, which is not particularly what we're looking for. Right. I want to know what the what the writers intended. What what were the stage directions given mm-hmm. to Michael? Uh, anyway, just terrific performance. I, you know, I, I'd love to see more scenes with Renee and and Michael, uh, because that was an interesting little little duo you had going on there. Um, all right, so yes, obviously, congratulations to Michael Badalucco for your best actor oopsie award, which brings us to the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Tom, a little consistency would help me here. If you're going to be great, mm, be great mm. with the points, okay? Uh, what was last week? Last week was uh, unanticipated or out of nowhere Dunkaroos commercial Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, man, that's asinine. That yeah, it was, it was amazing, and I can't wait for you to see what I did. Uh, hopefully, you'll put it in my email soon so that I can do it. I can get this out so I can... We'll have two weeks off, Keith. You and I. That's true. What are we going to do? It's going to be so weird. Oh, I have a lot to do. 
<laughs> I don't. I'm not uh, moving for fucking forever. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, we can talk about it off air. I want to know what the extra month delay is. I thought November yeah. was happening. Okay, we'll, we'll talk. talk about it off air because nobody cares. Um, this week I think it only right. Uh, do you know Tom is quite an accomplished musician? Did you know that, Keith? I did not know that. Well, you're about to know it because you will be photoshopping Tom Brady jamming with Ray Charles, winning oh, the Tom Brady Award I'm- for being Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady jamming with Ray Charles wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Perhaps Tom Brady jamming with Ray Charles and Judge Judy, Tom Brady. I like it. I like it. A nice trio, if you will. Nice trio. All right. Well, congratulations, that Tom Brady, which brings us to... Ladies and gentlemen. Well, friends, I thought it was a great episode. I'd like to uh, shout out specifically just great writing. Absolutely stellar writing across the board. Comedy is difficult, especially when it's not the sort of main focus of what this show does. And what I really, really enjoyed when it comes to comedy is not just those two monologues, those story monologues that Renee gives us, but... You know, there's a thing, I'm sure you've heard of it, most of the people listening to this pod, but there's a there's a general rule in comedy called the rule of threes, where a joke is set up twice, and then the, it's knocked out of the park on the third run. And the first two uh, stories that Renee told, I, I was thinking to myself, how's, where's the three? I knew, I, could, I knew the third was coming, but I thought it was going to be a little much for him to deliver it. And then for them to swing it back around and have Jimmy write, uh, Jimmy delivered, I thought was just genius. I thought all three were really well written. I thought that that last scene that we mentioned before was just so splendid, almost to the point where it sort of took away, not took away, but it uh, overshadowed a little bit. What I thought you mentioned was a pretty interesting point being made in the cop case, but this is one of those cases where, you know, when we're trying to do three cases, it gets a little bit of a short shrift. And I thought that the case with the, the gay cop, they didn't even make a point. And I wonder if, you know, that that sort of tag scene where we find out that the client was actually innocent all along, because it's true. I did just assume he was guilty. That the point we were being made was that here's a guilty guy who's going to get off if this cop doesn't admit he's gay. And maybe... That was that, and I'm I'm interested to hear your point because it was either underwritten or they used our implicit bias, assuming this guy was guilty against us. And then that flip wasn't just for Eugene; it was for us, the viewer. Uh, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. So I'm I'm interested to hear your piece. And then the Bobby case, I, I, it's jumped to the shark for me. The the Bruce Davidson thing. I I think they're trying to get us reinvigorated by having Bobby McRambo return. So maybe. Maybe something there. But that all said, uh, I'm willing to kind of uh, set aside my questions about case B and case C because case A was so juicy and I'm going to give it eight spare tires. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. I agree with all the things that you said. Um, I really the the comedic situation, uh, like you said, the rule of three, you're absolutely right. And I this was an episode that I remembered when I was watching it. And I, I, I was like, oh, it's this one. Oh, fun. Um, because I, I really, really like 
the the Jimmy and and Renee's storyline from start to finish. I really liked it. Um, I, I think you bring up an interesting point about implicit bias because one of the things that I struggled with with this episode, and I think you you may have rescued it a little bit, was the fact that our two disposable guilty or at least we thought disposable guilty clients were sort of just generic black clients. Right. And I was like, do they both have to be black? What's like, if, if we're, if they're just going to be stand-ins as guilty clients, as we go through these stories and, and perhaps I, I, I don't know if you're giving them too much credit by, by exploiting our implicit bias, assuming that he's guilty and whether or not his race played a part in that. I don't know. I don't know if that was a message to us or that was just sort of uh, lazy writing there. And I I really don't know. And I think maybe the 5% better written show would have made that clear. Um, but I, I agree with you. I thought it was I thought it was a very well written uh, episode. And I liked that it showed different elements of compassion, sometimes well-intentioned but not as compassionate as it should have been sometimes uh poorly intentioned but somehow pulling it back there was there was a lot going on there and i it was it was dicey in terms of outing the cop um and the position that it put Eugene in because he's stuck with a real ethical dilemma which i think he understood it wasn't really explicit but implicitly it was clear that uh that Eugene understood the moral quandary he was in because he's on one hand, he needs to, his job is to zealously defend his client at all costs. And we've seen him plan B people and just like really go for it. But there's also clearly a part of him that was like, it is to out this cop is sort of unethical and not helpful here. And in some ways he did the even less ethical thing by 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 exploiting him, exploiting the fear of outing him was almost less ethical than just outing him in the first place. Because from his standpoint, as Helen pointed out very well, that if the jury knew what he was talking about, it's sort of like, oh, all right, that has nothing to do with the case. But by exploiting this person's anxiety to make it seem as if it were relevant to the case, it was a really interesting tightrope that Eugene had to walk there. And I found that that interesting. And the show was there were a lot of tightropes here because mm-hmm. Eugene is walking it. Helen's walking it. The show is walking it. Uh, and I thought they actually navigated it pretty well um, and in an interesting fashion. So that is a very long way of saying I also really like this episode. Um, and I agree with you that the Bruce Davidson case like I don't know where that's going. It's time to wherever you're going, get there, <laughs> uh, because that was it's definitely felt like filler. And like Bruce Davidson was like, "Look, I have an Oscar nomination. I'm only going to come on if I get nine episodes." They're like nine. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know when Bobby leaves the show, and uh, you know I shouldn't know, but it does seem like either they knew it. Or this, I don't know, chicken or egg kind of situation because Bobby's becoming the least interesting character on the show. Mm. And is that a purpose? Is that because they, like it, 
I don't. I'm, it's it's not Dylan's fault. It's uh, well, this just, this case leaves him on one note. Yeah. You know, the as long as we're on this case, Bobby has one note, and that is, my friend, I think is innocent, and I'm trying to get him off. And and I, there 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 are more layers there to play with, but you know, it's t- it's also tough to judge something like this without knowing where it's going now without knowing the end. So, I mean, I, I think we've proven at this point that this case has been dragged on for too long, mm-hmm. but I, but I'm not ready to render a verdict on whether this case was good or not. Just that it's been going on for too long. Yeah. When we so, get to its conclusion, we'll, we'll, we'll summarize everything, but you got to give a, t- you got to give a score. Yes. I got to give a score and the score, uh, I'm also going to do what you did and set aside that case, understanding there were just, doing some bricklaying for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this episode very much. I'm giving it eight and a half tires. Eight two five. I like it. Eight two five. Very Before good. Best on, episode of the season so far. Okay. Agreed. Uh, I want to just shout out, you know, the fact that we found some ambiguity in the, in what they were trying to tell us with that case about implicit bias, maybe, or maybe like you said, uh, some of that credit also goes to Dominic LeRae, who I thought, uh, played the perp, quote unquote, the defendant, uh, very neutral and didn't kind of, didn't show a shades of either side, didn't overdo it in, in either way, which could have, uh, which allows that ambiguity to be active. Well, he he performed it as somebody who was aware of the implicit bias he was up against. Especially in that little scene with Eugene at the very end, when Eugene's like, I'll see you next time. And he's like, good. Well, man. and it's, it's very clear that this, character has been fucked over by the system many times before. This is not his first rodeo with this. Yeah, even and the cop so, says it, right? He's like, I, I recognize him from before. Yeah, and so I don't, you know, I, I think there's stuff to infer there about the character, but also the environment the character lives in. Interesting. A lot of a, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. 8.25 so, spare tires. 8.25 spare tires. Okay, you have gotten through another very long episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to email us about it sometime whenever you finish, you can find us on social media at (laughs) Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice. You can email us directly at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our blog and ranking of episodes at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. The Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Navoa, and Jennifer Masanova. You know, I know you're probably donating to your political candidates, but I certainly if, you wanna, if you want to donate to us, you can do so. You can join the jury or give us money. You can find the links to do so in the show notes. But to get back to that point, you should vote. If you aren't planning yeah. on it, make a plan to vote. Or if you've already made your plan, Find one of your family members or somebody who could maybe use some help and help them make a plan to vote. Keith, do me a favor. Put me on the stand. Unseal my personal records. Find Mm. the most damning thing in there. Be about to spill those beans and then decide at the last minute, instead of outing me, just fire off some laser sounds. Laser sounds indeed, my friend. I might have to make you start doing this. I'm running out of creativity. That's clear. I'll see you from Pennsylvania next time. Pennsylvania!